1: Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
2: I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah.
0: This is Emmett. Trenner.
3: And Mark Hillman. And,
0: and you're, you're listening, listening to, to
3: The Tennis Podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mark, Emmett and Trenner for introducing this edition of the Tennis Podcast, complete, I think, with the first ever tennis ball sound effects within an intro and still keeping it within the 10 seconds that I always insist upon. I'm very impressed, Catherine. What do you think?
1: Yes, I like it. I'm sort of reluctant to encourage others to do sound effects because I feel like that is a... I don't know.
0: Slippery slope?
1: <laughs> Possibly a can of worms, worms we don't want to open. But in this very specific circumstance, lovely. Very well
0: done. They pulled it off. So, uh, you know, mm. fair enough, Mark. And uh, and thank you very much for being a friend of the tennis podcast. At intro level, you can introduce the show. We're not that draconian with our rules. Uh, but, you know, we've got to keep some some standards. Uh, and that was a, that was a Um So... We have so much to talk about today. Uh, how come 24 hours go by and we're doing daily shows and there's only one tie to talk about, and yet, Matt, it feels like an awful lot has happened over the last 24 hours? And I can tell that more by looking at your face than anybody's because you've been <laughs> amongst it all the way through, and you do look like you've been through a bit of bit of an ordeal.
2: I've been through a Maring Shilich match, David, <laughs> and therefore, an ordeal is the perfect word. I felt like my whole life was hinging on Marion Cilic's serve, and that is a very stressful, agonising place to be in. Uh, because, goodness me, that was an that was a pretty ridiculous tennis match that that I just watched for three hours, fifteen minutes. I mean. The good side of it was thrilling and spine tingling and mesmerizing and absorbing and all of those words that you would associate with a great, great tennis match. But there was another side and it was a little bit uncomfortable to watch at times because Marion Cilic got very, very tight. In fact, he started the match very tight and sort of continued being tight throughout the whole thing and yet ended up. Getting the win. I'm sure we'll talk about the match in much more detail. But, yes, that is that is the reason why I am currently looking quite dishevelled and tired.
1: <laughs> He's also a little bit Spanish, remember, David? Yes. Mm.
0: That, oh, yeah, that's right. So uh, I feel a bit bad now because... Um,
1: focus, focus on the football, Matt. Yeah. Focus on the football. You had a
0: 7-0 win today, Matt, to go with your 6-2 from... England the other day it's not too bad for two matches my teams are flying it's time
1: to pick a lane Matt no one no one's allowed that much (laughs) glory
0: yeah see I I do feel a bit bad now because I was just gloating uh, with my half Croatian kids about what went on uh, a little earlier and uh, I noticed Matt didn't reply to that particular message but anyway um yeah so uh, you know the score, or you know the result. Croatia beat Spain in Spain, putting them through to the semi-finals, where they'll face Australia on Friday. Um, Matt's also tracked down Mardi Fish as we challenged him to do so, and he's put the Rajiv Ram question to him. That's coming up a little bit later in this edition of the Tennis Podcast. I assure you that's worth the wait. I've also been on the case of the uh, of the Max Purcell-Matt Ebden uh, story and why they weren't playing tennis during the ATB finals So I'll 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 give you a bit of info on that a bit later. So
2: many teasers tonight, David.
0: Yeah, I'm on form. <laughs> let's see if it lives <laughs> up to all this. Uh, but let's talk about what's gone on tonight because I mean you alluded to it. Let's let's start actually with the, that that Chilich Pablo Corena Buster match because whilst Borna Chorich set up the win and probably with the upset. I, I don't know. I don't know whether that was an upset or not. Well I'll, I'll get your view on it in a minute. Chilich, I want to get your view on Marin Chilich, Catherine, because I always I always find you a quite interesting Marin Chilich observer because <laughs> let's be honest, he made his debut at Queen's the same year as you made your debut at Queen's in 2007 so I don't know why but I always sort of (laughs) think of you in the same breath and uh and yes how how can you you describe it to me
1: Uh, am I supposed to figure out whether I feel flattered by that or not
3: I think you should Um,
1: Oh, Marin Cilic and his 15 double faults. Um, yeah, I mean, watching his matches, I have a very similar feeling to, to how I feel watching Maria Sachary's matches, which is I unclench on his behalf when he falls behind in the score. Um, and that's what happened in this match. He was serving 5-6 uh, in the deciding set. He's love 30 down. Reels off a load of incredible points consecutively. He's won four down in the tiebreak. It it looks like it's all got away from him. Um, you know, Pablo Carreño Busta is such a steady eddy. You just don't see, you just don't see him throwing it away from that point. And he didn't. Marin Cilic wrenched it from him. He reeled off. You know, twenty fourteen U.S. Open. Marin Chilich for for a few points there. He just couldn't do it at any stage when he was ahead in the score. <laughs> um and I'm full of admiration for him that he, you know, a little bit like uh Irina Sabalenka this year with her serving woes, yes. sort of just having to find a way to win in spite of yourself and how agonizing that must be. Um, he's a he's a poster boy for that just like she is but it's it's very stressful to watch isn't it and as Matt put it perfectly in our whatsapp group does Marin Cilic have fangs colon the most complicated question in tennis explain mm.
0: yourself Matt.
1: that's that's the title of the uh the essay <laughs> I haven't written the essay I don't want to have to write it. Um, but that's the title of it. Well,
2: yeah, because it, exactly as you said, it's so confusing because I think Marin Cilic is a more, even more extreme example than those players you've named. And I agree it's similar in terms of Sabalenka and Zachary because Marin Cilic is a Grand Slam champion. He's a Grand Slam finalist. He's a Davis Cup champion. He's achieved so much. So you know that, the highs are really high with him. And every now and again, he has a spell in a match. And I agree, it is often when he's behind in the score, where it appears like he does have fangs. He can totally take over. He can get a sort of look in his eye that just says nothing is going to stop him. And he's got so many weapons and he hits the ball so cleanly that there's sort of nothing an opponent can do about it. And it's, it's the epitome of fangs when he's, when he's in that mode. But then there's the other side where he's twitching as he's about to serve and he's decelerating on his serve and his feet are doing a little jiggle just before he's about to hit a forehand and he's shanking the ball and mishitting it and generally he's a sort of nervous wreck and he doesn't look like he has fangs at all. And <laughs> you get those two experiences within minutes of each other you know he can he can go from looking like a US Open champion to looking like someone who isn't even going to be able to make a serve within seconds and it just makes for such a such an extraordinary experience to watch him um com- completely enthralling but a, a little bit stressful at the same time <laughs>
0: A little bit stressful. I mean, Matt, you, you, I got the feeling you were about to walk out. You were so fed up of, <laughs> of the undulations in the match. Just couldn't be doing with it at one stage. And yet that was within the best atmosphere of the week and one of the best atmospheres of the year, wasn't it? I mean, that was classic Davis Cup. Home team, on the back foot, fighting back. Chilich is twice a break of serve up in a deciding set. And then... I, th- I got the sense the crowds realised that they could get to him as well, and they were trying to. Is that is that is that how it felt?
2: Yes, I really think so. I think Chilich just showed enough vulnerability, and the entire stadium sort of seized upon it. And it was spine tingling in there at times because, I mean, Crania Buster came up with some extraordinary shots as well. It wasn't totally Marion Chilich sort of melting down. You know, there were some forehand passing shots in particular from, from Pablo Carreño Busta, which were extraordinary. And the noise in the stadium cut right through you. Um, they, they had chants. They just were cheering. They were standing on their feet. Um, and then when, when something happened that they didn't like, they made a very European noise, which is to whistle. It's not something that Brits ever do. Brits boo, I think, and Europeans Spanish they whistle and it it sort of gives you a bit of a headache when you're in the stadium it's such a sharp noise, but it's you know there were over nine thousand people in in the stadium today all doing it at once and it was it was an overwhelming sensory experience in that stadium and as you said exactly what Davis Cup is known for it's almost it's almost difficult to praise the new version of davis cup for that because this is what davis cup has always had this is what we're searching for at sort of every tie if possible uh but now it feels like we really have to treasure the ties where it's like this and of course spain losing means it might not be for the rest of the tournament i I still think there'll be good crowds good atmospheres but it won't be like this again where the home nation was playing and yeah it was it was a hell of an experience to be in that stadium
0: he he was one four down. It looked like he he had. I mean, as you said, Corinna Buster, I think on the run is one of the great counterpunchers, and he got himself to four one. It looks like Chilich is falling apart. The crowd have got to him, and then he won one point to get back to four two, and he got that look in his eye that you referenced that that sort of I am not going away, look, and I am coming back, and he did. I mean, from from one four down to win that tie break. That is an extraordinary achievement, and and then he he came up with a, a running passing shot of his own, Catherine. That I think uh, is one that we'll take with us from twenty twenty two into twenty twenty
1: three. Yeah, Karolina Buster had made a a really great little volley, very very close to the line. Marin Cilic is on the run. It's, uh, it it's, it's it wasn't a very familiar sight somehow. Like I just don't think of Marin Cilic as the. Running, passing, shot guy. Like he's a, he's a very good mover for his height. Very, very good. Um, he very rarely looks slow or lumbering. Um, but I still just don't think of him as the running, passing, shot guy. And there he is, bananaing this forehand around, Correia so not quite around the net post, but that sort of a vibe. And it's just plopping inside the line. It was, it was wonderful. Um, and then on match point, 6-5, uh, he plays just, I mean, it was totally reminiscent of 2014 US Open, Marin those laser-like ground strokes with such conviction of on them. You hit them and they stay hit and if, if the opponent gets them back to you, it doesn't matter, I hit another one. That's what it was like in that final against Kane and Shikori, wasn't it? He was getting it all back, getting it back to a decent length and Chilich is just going, I'll just keep hitting him. I've got another one where that came from. That's what that match point was like. Uh, Forehands, backhands, just cross court, down the line, everything. You just knew he had it. And yet I didn't because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to shank it any (laughs) second.
0: Especially when it was on the forehand. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you
1: just oh! yeah it was uh, so such a wild and yet, ride and yeah I love oh. the
0: ride because I was thinking about this during the match and I thought about it quite a lot over the last year because we've seen quite a lot of Marin Chilich haven't we with his run to the semis and Roland Garros and and his his performances at Davis Cup last year and, and quite a few different occasions that the fact that he's still out here, when he really doesn't need to be doing this, he doesn't need to be putting himself through this torture, which is what it looks like out there. Um, he's he's 34 years of age, he's won 31 million dollars in his career. He does not need to worry about money, he's won the Davis Cup with Croatia, he's won these the grand a grand slam title, you know, and yet he still does it. And I think to to go out there when you know you're going to have those collie wobbles, You're not going to come out of this match, most likely as Marin Cilic, with a nice, easy, straight set to win.
1: David, he's got the body of a 25-year-old. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, when you were describing never him forget. moving well for a big man, I was thinking, you know, because you're familiar with a six-foot-six person moving like I do. So uh, it's not really <laughs> familiar. Earlier on... We had Borna Choric beating Roberto Bautista for good. I I said at the start of the podcast, Matt, that that was an upset. Was that an upset? I don't think so.
2: I I think it was pretty close, I would say. Um, I think their head-to-head was exactly tied coming in. I think it was four apiece. But Chorich had won their most recent match in Cincinnati in, in that tournament where he just beat everyone and went on to win the title and jumped from outside the top 100 back into the top 30, I think, instead of one go. Um, and it seemed to me like he just had the bigger game than Bautista. You know, they're both quite similar in that they're baseliners, but George has got a bigger backhand. He's got a bigger serve. He's maybe a little bit more comfortable up at the net or a little bit more willing to come forward. And, I always felt like Djokovic was going to win this match when he when he went up a break in the first set. He was pretty comfortable to me. He didn't he didn't lose serve once. Um and I was I was really really impressed. There was a slightly bizarre interruption halfway through the second set when some um activists came on and tried to attach themselves to the net. I believe they were from Futuro Vegetal, which is a sort of Offshoot of Extinction Rebellion, um, and uh, and then then all the whistling started in the stadium again every, uh, with, with all the fans, and I was quite impressed by how both players just stayed sort of remarkably composed and didn't didn't drop their level because it's it's just a little bit disconcerting having people come on the court like that. Um, but yeah, I was really really impressed with Borussia. I then went to his press conference afterwards, and felt like I sort of got to understand him a little bit more, actually, because I think of him as quite a shy person, quite an anxious person. And I think he is, but I was quite pleased that he he sort of came into the room and started cracking jokes about how his comms manager had delayed him and it wasn't his fault that he was late to the press conference. And he was just carrying himself with, with a bit of an air of confidence that I hadn't necessarily seen from him before. Um, I asked him about his shoulder now and whether he's still in pain from, from the surgery that he had. And he said that, yes, he is, but he's been reassured that he's not making the shoulder any worse, but sometimes he's in a better sort of mental space to deal with that pain. And sometimes he's not, he says he sometimes has weeks now where sort of facing that pain on the match core is a bit too much. And sometimes and he's, he's sort of okay to accept it and he's therefore able to go out on court and play really well. And I thought that was quite an interesting insight and maybe will sort of help us think about Borna Church in the future. You know, if he has weeks where he's great and weeks where he's not so great, it might just be something like that making the difference. And also he spoke quite openly about the nerves that he gets before playing a match and he does get really anxious Uh, He says he constantly has to go to the loo and he gets sort of stomach cramps a little bit. But he said at the same time, he missed that feeling when he wasn't playing. You know, in a way, it's sort of what you live for. But he did say that he's learned that if he plays for more more than about three or four weeks at a time, it gets a bit too much for him, those nerves. So therefore, he, he needs to think about his scheduling and factor in some breaks and all that sort of stuff. So it was a really... Really, sort of revealing, open press conference from him, and um, it was, yeah, just just good to sort of understand him a bit more as a wow. person no, and really as a player. I think that
1: is so interesting. Wow, and and a bit counterintuitive on the last point. You think the more you play, the easier the nerves would become. The more you know, in in theory, the more you do something, the less the associated nerves become, mm. but. This, it sounds like it's more an accumulation um, for him. Gosh, that's all of that was fascinating. Uh,
0: actually, hearing him say that and bearing in mind what I was talking about with Maren Cilic, why why does he still put himself through this? Well, it brings you back to what Andy Murray talks about, how you're a long time retired and this is, you want to just, you can't get this anywhere else, can you? You can't get those.
1: Nothing will ever replace
0: no. it. And do you
1: there's other good things in the world, but nothing there's will ever a, be that. There's a line from, and you know, it's, it's the Andy Roddick line, David. Nothing, all, you'll never no. be as good at anything no again. Idea. Your best interview mm-hmm. could still be ahead of you. Blimey, I hope so. But I, but I know my my best, the best <laughs> thing I've ever done, is behind me. That's me quoting yep. Andy Roddick. That's not. That's hopefully not me. <laughs> Speaking,
0: speaking for myself. <laughs> incredible, incredible line. Um, that. Something Colin Fleming, who was on commentary, said in the first set of it reminded me he reminded me that uh, Borna Cioric made his debut in the Davis Cup nine years ago. And and I was there in Umag in Croatia when they played Great Britain. And in the first point of the match, they had a 57 stroke rally. <laughs> <laughs> Which Chorich won, and then he could barely move the rest of the match. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, he was seventeen back then. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's great to see that he's he's at least come through the shoulder problem to a point where he can still compete and still be blum effective. And who knows? You know, he missed out on the final last year, the final run, didn't he? So he he's added extra depth to that team.
2: Yeah, and actually this was the first time that Croatia had been able to play both Czoric and Chilich in the same tie since they won the Davis Cup in uh, in 2018. I think Chilich was missing from the finals in 2019. That was when we first discovered Borna Goyo. Uh, and then obviously Borna Goyo has stepped in a lot since then, either for Czoric or for Chilich. But, you know, with both of them here, it makes them a really formidable team. And obviously even if... Marin Cilic had lost that that second match today. They still had Nikola Mektic and Mate Pavic sort of waiting in the wings, and you know, looking ahead to their tie against Australia, who they now play in the semi-finals. I think Borna Coric will be massively favoured in the number two singles, either against Thompson or Kokkinakis. Cilic, Dimonor... Feels like it's probably on a bit of a knife edge, um, and then you know the Croatians have still got those those doubles, but again, <laughs> can't forget Max Purcell and Matt Ebden, so maybe that would be a close doubles as well. But um, yeah, it's it's set up very
0: very yeah, intriguing. Can you I think. drop
1: your Ebden Purcell knowledge slash slash gossip? Yes. Now, David, I'm on the edge. So of seat we were trying here. to
0: work out why they were not in the ATP Finals, given that they were the Wimbledon champions. And does a rule not apply to doubles as it does to singles? Which would have got Novak Djokovic in if he'd have finished outside the top eight, which he didn't in the end. But that was the 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 expectation at one point. But he would still have got in as a top twenty player, uh, as a Grand Slam champion, into the ATP Finals. Turns out that rule does apply to doubles. And Purcell and Ebden were alternates in Turin. The reason they didn't get in is because Kyrgios and Kakonakis were also Grand Slam champions. And the, the rule is, this was sent to me from Simon Higson from the ATP, he said that the rule is as follows. A, the top seven teams in the rankings, the team rankings, as of the Monday after the last ATP tournament of the calendar year is are automatics those top sevens followed by up to two grand slam team winners of that year in order of their positioned uh, positions positioned between eight and 20 so it's the same sort of as for for the singles so because they were behind kyrgios and kakanakis in the rankings at that point they didn't get in and as it happens those two were were in eighth position anyway so It meant that Purcell and Ebden got in, but only as alternates, and they didn't get to play.
3: There's never been a faster or easier way
2: to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
1: Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So not only did they lose to Kyrgios and Kokonakis in the Australian Open final, they also lost out to them in attempts to qualify for Turin. That's a bit of a heartbreaker,
0: it, isn't it? It is a bit. Um, but, you know, I spe- I, I, mm. I get the sense that them winning Wimbledon and with Wimbledon being such a massive deal in Australia, it feels like in the eyes of a lot of players, even bigger than the Australian Open for a lot of Australian players. So uh, I think that they will, yeah, I mean, I wonder whether they ever will qualify. I wonder whether their best sort of doubles as a team is ahead of them it's going to be very interesting to find out really and i would love to see them play a deciding doubles i I kind of hope that one against croatia goes to the doubles i think it'd be fascinating to see how they how they get on but anyway at least we know um now tomorrow we have two matches to look forward to that means that matt is going to be back in the arena uh in less than 12 hours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for uh, for the morning match that takes place. that The morning one's USA against Italy, is that right, Matt?
2: That is correct, yes. And then the afternoon one is Germany-Canada. Right.
0: And we sent you off on your brave adventure and mission and challenge to go and speak to US captain Marty Fish to find out why Rajiv Ram is not in this team, <laughs> which was... Uh, Bit of a hospital pass, but we thought we're going to we're going to send him off to go and find out. And uh, as it happens, um, Marty Fish came into a press conference today, and Matt was there.
2: Hi, Marty. Rajiv Ram said after the ATP Finals that he was disappointed not mm-hmm. to be on the team. He felt like he'd earned his spot, um, and that he was surprised you'd only gone with four players rather than five. Just wondering what your reaction to that is, and can you explain yeah. the sort of process behind that decision.
3: Sure. Of course Rajiv and I are are great friends. Um we've had we had multiple conversations as well. He expressed that same sentiment to me. I saw what he the quotes in um in Turin and they were the exact same thing that he told me um you know on the phone or face to face as well. So um uh I, I love Rajiv. Rajiv has been a phenomenal player for us. Um uh this is a different roster this specific time. Um, We have Davis cup next year. Um, I told him uh, that uh, he is still very much in my plans for future ties and and beyond. Obviously we play every year. Um, He has been, uh, I have been the only captain, I will say the only captain to call him uh, and to be a part of the team. Um, So I think that speaks volumes in terms of what I think of him um, as a player and, um, uh, the doubles speaking specifically about the doubles, um, uh, I think the world of him in terms of his game, obviously is one of the best doubles players in the world. Um, but matching, um, match, putting a team together, isn't as simple as just taking a player that's ranked high and put him against with another player and just hope that they do well. Um. They've had success. Um, they've won some matches, they've lost some matches. Um I, I think they're a, a good team together. Um, but this this tie or this competition, um, quarterfinals and on, we're gonna uh we're gonna go with a different team. Um the the tough part about the job is trying to um mesh that together and That's the hardest part is having that conversation with someone like Rajiv, a friend, someone that I competed against. um, And I think the world of in terms of his um, his game and and him as a as a a teammate. Um, He's been phenomenal. So um, I I told him that this is just this tie and that I don't want to lose him in terms of uh, him not wanting to be a part of the team or or the process. And again, I'm the only captain um, that's actually given him a shot as well. Um, and, um, and he said yes every time. And, and he's been, he's been great. We, we miss him, um, here. Well, you know, and, um, I'm sure he'll be in obvious consideration for the next tie that we have, uh, whenever that is. Can I just ask what's different about this tie compared to the group stage and the qualifiers when, when he was involved? Uh, in what, in what context? Like what's different for him not to be picked? I wanna I wanna put a different doubles team on the court.
0: Well, first of all, let me say very well done, Matt Roberts. <laughs> that was great. Uh very, very interesting to hear the reasons and then to hear Marty Fish being pushed on that particular subject. Matt, what was your your initial reaction, having heard what you heard?
2: Well, I must say I really like Marty Fish and I don't. I don't feel like it's a particularly sort of intimidating thing to do, really, to have to ask him that question. Um, he, I think, he was ready for it. He, he sort of didn't seem surprised by it. He engaged with it. He looked at me throughout his answer. Um, it did strike me that the more and more he was talking, it was as though he was giving quite a convincing case as to why Rajiv Ram should be on the team because. He was talking so, so glowingly about him as a player and the fact that he'd done good work in the past and all of that. And I I was sort of waiting for that moment where he said, but this is my decision. And it never really came until that sort of final moment at the end where he he said explicitly, I don't want to play Sock and Ram in doubles together is basically the reason now I still find it a little bit odd because you could still pick Rajiv Ram and not play Ram and Sock together. Um, if Sock goes down injured in the next 12 hours or so, they don't have a doubles player here. So sort of you would think Ram would at least be on the team for backup if more than anything else. Um
0: just before that does seem a little strange, doesn't it? That that you, you go in with four and not RAM rather than having a team of five.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um and then the only sort of other point to make is that just before I asked that question, Fish had, had been answering another question and talking a lot about team harmony and team cohesion being so important for the Davis Cup and Ram is quite a bit older, isn't he, than Sock and Fritz and Paul and Tiafo who are all on this on this team as well. And I just wonder whether maybe some of that comes into the decision making as well and whether not that Ram would sort of disrupt the vibe or whatever. I'm not I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just saying that I think all of the players in this team get on really well and would probably hang out outside of the court as well in a way that maybe Rajiv Ram wouldn't with these players. And as much as the sort of tactical doubles element might, might be part of um, Marty Fish's reasoning there. We did find out that uh, Sock and Ram both like to play on the same side in doubles. So they're not a perfect pairing and they have lost together before. I can't help but think that there might also be something else going on and there might be a sort of, Team harmony, team cohesion element, but that doesn't really explain why he's been happy to pick him before and not this time. So, you know, I was very grateful for Marty Fish giving such a long answer there, but I am not that convinced really by it. I'm I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm I'm still not sure about the decision. It still feels odd to me. It wasn't. It wasn't an explanation. It wasn't an explanation that made me go, "Oh right, that makes." absolutely perfect sense I can completely understand why you've done that I still think well that's a bit weird but um, you know as, as with all captain's picks and captain's decisions we'll find out whether it's the right one based on the results, I suppose.
0: Mm. And, and actually, just looking at those results that Rajiv Ram did have as part of the team this year, he played four doubles matches. He won three of them alongside Jack Sock, including beating Wesley Koolhof and Mate Middlecoop, um, coming from a set down, winning the second set in a tie break, and then winning the third 6-4, and then uh, beating Andy Murray and Joe Salisbury, 7-5 in the third in Glasgow. So, you know, on the court... They have had some results this year. Catherine, what, what's your uh, your reaction to what you've just heard?
1: Exactly the same as Matt. I like Muddy Fish very much. Um, if nobody gets injured, then this... The, or specifically, if if Jack Sock doesn't get injured, I suppose, because, you know, Rajiv Ram is not somebody that would come in, uh, if, in singles in any circumstance, um, then, you know this decision might be inconsequential i don't see why you wouldn't just want to have him there as a backup uh, and the only the only reasoning i can find for that is a team harmony thing i'm not adding anything to what matt said here other than that's the only reason i can think that you wouldn't want to have that backup Available that it is detrimental, in so, or in his view, or in the team's view, it's detrimental in some other way. I, it still doesn't make sense to me, um, but there's there's obviously stuff going on that we don't know about, and that e- either Marty Fish doesn't feel comfortable saying publicly, or it isn't appropriate or fair to say publicly.
2: I suppose maybe he picked Ram before when he knew that Ram and Sock was going to be his doubles team. And now he would be having Ram in his team because he's decided to change the doubles. He would be having Ram in his team as a backup. And maybe he doesn't think that Ram would be a good sort of backup option if he's not automatically playing. And it, therefore it's better to just sort of not have him here at all, perhaps. Yeah. Um,
1: but then have, have someone else, have yeah, Austin crycheck
2: Right, maybe. It is interesting. Although it is... Um, I don't know,
1: that's, that's a whole other discussion. It is,
2: but... it is Thanksgiving in the US at the moment, and I think maybe some players have totally made themselves unavailable and just said, look, it's the end of the season, I want to be with my family. And I sort of get that as well. So maybe, maybe his options are limited in terms of other players that could play. I mean you would think that if they'd got a call up to play the Davis Cup finals for the US they would they would still want to go i'm just i'm just theorizing and trying to get to the bottom of what is what is a complex uh, team selection mm. i suppose but my guess now is that if if doubles is needed he will go with sock and tiafo i think um obviously fresh from ending the career of Roger Federer at the Labour Cup. I mean, they weren't exactly brilliant in that in that doubles, I didn't think, against a Federer on one leg and Nadal with a with an ab injury. They did manage to get the win, but they've jailed a little bit as a pair. So maybe that makes sense as as the doubles pair. But yeah, absolutely fascinating. I do love the team selection, Captain Pick's dynamic of uh Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup it does add an extra What what extra are we expecting in
0: terms of team selections there tomorrow overall Matt um because Italy without Berrettini how are these two teams likely to line up
2: Well Fish is certainly expecting Sonigo and Musetti to play for Italy. He said he would be surprised if Fanini plays singles. And then for the US I'm not sure um he was pressed on whether Fritz is, you know, fresh and ready enough to play after his um exploits in Turin and he said yes, he is, and he's sort of Max Sharp. So I think we'll probably see Taylor Fritz. And then it's it feels a little bit toss of the coin really between Paul and Paul and Tiafo. It might just be a matchup thing, it might be a feeling thing from Marty Fish. Um maybe Tiafo, i suppose as as the as the higher ranked player the one who can maybe get a little bit more inspired in this competition perhaps um but either way it's it's a very strong mm. strong lineup it's gonna be for the US
0: so that match is in the morning and then in the afternoon it's Germany against uh, Canada which uh, you've already reminded us uh, reignites the Denis Shapovalov Jan-Lennard Struff rivalry um potentially so we'll look forward to that um, what do you think Catherine who are you picking to win these two rubbers these two ties tomorrow
1: well USA were my pick for the title from the start uh, so I've got to stick with them and I do I do feel that they will win that tie um, Germany and Canada I think probably Canada but I don't see say that with any great confidence. And I do find the Struf shapovalov situation very interesting. They both lost in the football today, didn't they? Germany and Canada. So one nation is going to have a very bad 48 hours.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Okay, I, I think I would go U.S. and Canada as well. But I, I mean, now that we've have this situation with the team selections and, uh, and not calling up Rajiv Ramit and Matt having spoken to Marty Fish, and uh, I, I can't wait. I'm really enjoying all these matches now. Uh, there's lots of uh, intrigue around uh, several of them. So that's all going to be taking place tomorrow. Uh, we have our episode mascot today, who is called Bailey sits cat and uh, pod helen writes that bailey is my soon-to-be housemate jess's three-year-old tabby house cat jess got her in 2019 after Stephana Sitsipas made the a the ao semis for the first time bailey is named after jess's favorite female wrestler and her interests include hissing at people she doesn't know and snuggles She's a little rough around the edges, but Jess loves her, and she's banned from Nadal's matches because she jinxes him. Blimey, there's a lot going on in uh, <laughs> Bailey's world, isn't there?
1: <laughs> lot to take in there. So she, he is called city Cat, but is named after a wrestler. Seems so. Sort not, of both. Not after Stefano Sitzapetris. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. That was. Yeah. That was. <laughs> That was a whirlwind. Hello, Bailey. Thank you very much for
0: coming into our world and sitting on I show. think a sofa here, looking up at the lens as if to say, "Yeah, mm. well, what what of it?" Very very relaxed and confident looking.
2: Bailey has uh, Catherine's favorite quality in a cat, I think, which is <laughs> which is sass.
0: Favorite quality in most things, I think.
2: Yes, Matt. True, yeah. (laughs) Not just Uh, cats.
0: (laughs) Marvellous. Marvellous. Okay, well, I have my own mascot as well, Darwin. Darwin's amazing. Darwin, unfortunately, after the Netherlands got beaten yesterday, it's all over for us uh, in the predictions standings. Uh, Catherine's got Carter and the United States. Matt's got the dearly departed Gerald and uh, Croatia. Or Matt's pick, even though they beat uh, his beloved Spain. That, was, that must have been a bit of a heart wrench, Matt.
2: Well, what I've realised is that my predictions now hinge on marrying Cilic's serve as well, which is a very precarious <laughs>
0: place luck. to be. Um, Billie Jean, the dog, is back. Fantastic to see Billie Jean on the camera uh uh in this Zoom call. And she is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Our executive producers are Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner. Weingartner are both top blokes, and we have shout-outs, Matt. We have Erin
2: Kaplan in Leesburg, Virginia. All
1: right, Erin.
0: Hello, Erin.
1: There is an Erin, isn't there? I'm sure there's an Erin. <laughs> All I've got is Brockovich, and Aaron probably gets that all the (laughs)
0: GD time. I've gone blank, (laughs) which isn't helpful. Uh, (laughs) I can't think of an Aaron. There are people shouting again, aren't there? I mean, the amount of people that shouted James Blake back at us the other day when we couldn't come up with a James. Or James Ward, yes. Or James Ward, David. Or James Ward.
1: I've Googled Erin um, <laughs> Tennis. Ooh, Eli, Aaron Aaron, oh, Erin Routcliffe. Oh, Erin Routcliffe is a New Zealand professional tennis player who previously represented Canada. Career-high doubles ranking of 29 on the 8th of August 2022.
0: Goodness. I should have known that.
1: That's obviously the one I was thinking of.
0: Yes, that's right. Mm. Well, thank you, Erin. Oh, Wimbledon quarter finalist.
1: News to me. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, Erin.
2: We've got Matthew O'Shea, who is from Cork in Ireland, but living in Amsterdam.
0: I really want to go to Cork. I'm desperate to go to Cork. I have this sort of romantic image of it, just being beautifully green and picturesque. Anybody been to Cork? No. no.
1: Sounds lovely. Yeah, stick with that. I was going to start talking about... Uh... John O'Shea, the <laughs> Manchester United, and briefly uh, ready. Well, you defender. know we, we
0: can go with Matthew Ebden, can't mm. we? Is it? Does he call himself that? Or, yeah, he's or all right. Too. Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matthew.
2: We've got Michael Simlinger in Austria.
0: Right, Michael. A bit like Mick, Michael Penforsh. Oh. Although probably a different spelling, I would imagine. The Swedish player from the eighties. Mm. Um, yeah. Who still throws about a racket now and again. Mm, lovely bloke. Lives in Florida, doesn't he?
2: This is uh this
0: is Michael as in um Michael Chang. Oh, okay. I could have gone there.
1: Him too. Strings
0: <laughs> of choices. Michael, thanks.
1: Sheek Chang.
0: Oh very Mo.
1: Good. Michael Mo. Thank you very much. And thank you, Michael.
2: We've got
1: Ray in Melbourne. Right, Ray. Just Ray, straight up Ray, like the movie.
0: Yeah, I've got, so many Rays are coming to my mind and none of them play tennis.
1: (laughs) There was a film, there was a film
0: called Ray. What's that got to do with tennis? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh. Well, because Ray hasn't given us a surname, he's just straight up Ray. There is a tennis
2: Ray, but not, uh, not one I really want to mention. Okay fine
0: well we'll leave it vague enough well good good decision <laughs> thanks ray
1: <laughs> oh yeah him mm. yeah no don't sully shout out with him hello ray
2: and last one today is avrilina who is in utrecht in the netherlands but originally from cyprus
0: wow awesome avrilina oh. What a great name. Home of uh, Marcus Bagdatis, Cyprus.
1: And uh, my brother spent some time in Utrecht in the Netherlands. Doing what? Uh, Doing academia at the university there.
0: Avrilina, thank you.
1: Doing something uh, data and statistics related. Lots of bicycles
0: in Utrecht. So we're all going to Utrecht and Cork for our holidays where do you want to go Matt anybody that you'd like to visit from the shout out list Um. (laughs) keep it as keep this answer as uncreepy as possible Melbourne okay well we're sorting that out I've already booked it (laughs) brilliant okay fantastic I think it's a late night folks it's midnight where Matt is he's got got to be up in about eight hours Um, and actually uh, we, we haven't even edited it yet or uploaded it so you know cut another two hours off that Uh, And we'll be back again with another tennis podcast after a full day's play tomorrow. It is going to be a marathon, but if it's anything like today, it'll be a belter. Lovely to talk to you both, and we'll speak to you all tomorrow.